Craft Beer Radio, episode 275, January 18th, 2014. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio 275. My name is Greg Weiss. I'm Jeff Bear. And here we are doing uh, beer for you for money for nothing. Chicks are free. No particular reason we played that song. It's we could have song. we could have played the Joker from Steve Miller Band because it was their one song in 1974. But we just heard like the first three chords of it, and like uh, uh, I've heard that song enough God, for three enough. lifetimes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, no Steve Miller Band for you. Um, but what we do have is a couple uh, large bottles of beer in a small can of beer. I would say <clears throat> let's do a can last because it's an IPA. It's an imperial. It's an imperial IPA. Let's do that last. That way, you know, we'll get the maximum effect of the of the hops and stuff, and the rest of the stuff is. All right. Sounds like a good plan. So the first beer we got was shipped to us by our good friend JD on the coldest day of the year, and it came in the mail as a beer sickle. Uh oh. <laughs> Well, this one wasn't frozen solid. The other two were. Oh. This one was packed in the middle, and it still had uh, some liquid inside its core of ice. I was happy none of the bottles were broken open. Yeah. We thawed them out in the sink just in case, and everything went smoothly. So, okay. I wonder if completely frozen beer, I wonder how that impacts carbonation and whatnot. I, I don't know. Okay, so this is the Hardywood Reserve Series, the original gingerbread stout. It's an imperial milk stout brewed with fresh local ginger and honey. It wasn't a big pop on the cork. Yeah, I, I believe it, it, it affects carbonation. It drops carbonation down. I think it, I mean, really cold liquid um, makes it more absorbed, absorbed, right? But when it freezes out, just, yeah. you would think that the gas would come out of the ice as a right? solution yeah i i, I don't know did you, i mean it this appears to have carbonation in it so it's not like it's flat or anything <clears throat> so this is original gravity 1.1 per 2 percent alcohol by volume srm they call it 40 degree lava bond that is pretty much as dark as it gets well, it is milk stout, right? Milk yeah. stouts typically, you can actually, if you hold it up to the light, you can see a little yeah. bit through it. It, It's actually clear. It's just super duper dark. Um, 55 IBUs. Here are some awards it's won. Uh, 2012 Virginia Beer Cup, silver. 2012 World Beer Cup, bronze in the urban spice beer category. 2013 Virginia Beer Cup, Gold in the Urban Spice Beer. Best in Show, Silver Medal of 2013. The, the, do a lot of Virginia Beer Cup stuff. The Beer Advocate gave it a 100 out of 100 on their magazine. So, Alright, so yeah, it doesn't have a very big head. Roma has big spice aroma on there. There is a... I mean, they call it gingerbread stout, so you want to say, oh, yeah, there's gingerbread in there, ginger. I think nutmeg's probably the first thing I'm picking out. Well, it's, I mean, beer is liquid bread, has ginger in it. Mm -hmm. Essentially, you've got gingerbread right there. See, they have uh, 
They have a generous dose of whole Madagascar bourbon vanilla beans and Vietnamese cinnamon. Now, I wonder if by Vietnamese cinnamon they mean it's actual, uh, it's not cassia, it's the other kind. Mm-hmm. Verum. Okay. But uh, I'm not sure. It's a little bit of a uh, of a chocolatey bit in there. Mm, flavor is very full. <coughs> Definitely gets milk stout is really the first thing I noticed. You get this big sweetness, this creamy mouthfeel. Then you get some of the spices coming in after that. Nutmeg, um, mm. cocoa is in there for sure. It's quite tasty. Now I wanted to um, point this out. This is brewed with wildflower honey from a particular farm and fresh baby ginger from Castle Monte Farm. But the place where that wildflower honey is from is... Hey, look at that. (laughs) Bearer Farms. Yeah. Spelled just like my last name. That's pretty cool. Go down there and collect some inheritance or something. (laughs) Yeah. They can't, I mean, can't be too many barriers that turn into bearer, right? It's it's funny. Um, oh, we'll talk about this in the post show. Write this down. But my um, brother in law signed up for ancestry dot com and got this thing for my dad, and gave him his family tree. There's a really rich set of bearers in northern central Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and there are. Um, it's his third cousin twice removed or something like that, and it goes back from pre-immigration. But none of the stuff I read about the biographies of these different people mentioned. They mentioned them in the old country, but they were bearers, not barrier. Hmm. They were in um, Strasbourg, France, which is right on the German border. So German speaking, you know, that kind of thing. It was actually part of Germany during World War, you know, around World War One or something like that. They, um, But yeah, yeah, they didn't mention the barrier thing at all. So I don't know if I had bad information that I've been perpetrating for... 15 years now or what so have to go back and look at the whole thing speaking of oh this is way off topic I forgot we're not doing post show well actually speaking of bad information that you've purchased for years maybe that has to do with beer and somewhat French every time I've looked at it and every time I've heard it (coughs) you're the only one who ever says frambos everyone ever always says frambois and by the French it would seem that it would be bois where did you hear frambos but it's not a French beer, it's a Belgian beer. So you're speaking it in Flemish. But every time I've heard it pronounced, it's Frambois. I, where have I heard it? I've heard it from beer people that I have trusted. But maybe we're all wrong. Maybe. I'm I'm just saying. I you know, I, I was back when you you initially told me it's Frambos, I had no reason to question you. But I've heard more people call it Frambois now, and so now I'm wondering. Okay. I, I don't know. I was trying to... Um, sorry for getting off topic. Just got to start. I was so excited about this whole name thing. We normally don't do that in the main show. Let's get back to this Hardywood um, Gingerbread stout. stout. It's very drinkable. The milk stout really gives a nice platform for the spices and whatnot. You mm-hmm. know? It, it keeps the spices from kind of digging into your palate, you know, being too 
spicy and taking away from the beer. The beer stands up to it, and it's a great compliment. The honey, are you tasting anything that's mm-hmm. in the honey there? Okay. I am. The honey is what's giving me a, a little bit of a weird, I'm not super into it kind of feel, because I think it's, it's a little oversweet to the point where with the milk stout, with the slight bitterness that comes from using the dark uh, malts and with some of the spices, it actually tastes a little plasticky. Hmm. And I'm just trying to, I'm trying to figure out what that was. And when you mentioned the honey, it, it, it all sort of clicked in. It's the honey that's giving this sweetness that just sort of, it mixes wrong in, on my palate. Hmm. And it, it, it's, it just tastes like, um, like, like you had a little bit of, of the the plastic that the cake came on that had the frosting on top of it with it. Right. I enjoy this. Uh, the more I drink it, though, the, the it seems the spices are winning a little more ground in the, the whole balance thing. And I enjoyed the first couple sips better where the milk stout was mm-hmm. winning the ground, but it's still pretty enjoyable. The honey, I mean, I'm tasting things. Now, this is kind of off the off the wall. I wouldn't expect them to use buckwheat honey, but I'm kind of tasting some of that buckwheat flavor. Let's say wildflower honey. Wildflower, okay. Yeah, I'm kind of tasting some um, a little bit of buckwheat flavor going on here or something like that. I think that the, the spices are actually a little bit too... A little bit too one note. There, there's not a huge range of spices. There's a little bit of cinnamon. There's a little bit of um, obviously the ginger uh, and vanilla. But it, there's nothing. There's not like a little allspice bite there. There's not a little bit of nutmeg. There, there's nothing that to to give me a sort of journey of the spices. The spices are just sort of there, and they're they're lending the same flavor and reinforcing that with, with the next sip. And that doesn't develop as well as I think a, a more a robust bouquet might. But it's decently drinkable. I I I I wonder about that honey edition. I think that the honey is is just is pushing it off into a weird direction that I don't quite enjoy. So that was the hearty bread, hearty wood gingerbread stout. You make sure you rinse the glass good before we go on to the next mm-hmm. one. Let's uh, let's do the chocolate one next. Since yeah. we're getting into the flavors here. This is Rogue's Double Chocolate Stout. I know it was just released for this year, but this is actually last year's bottle. <clears throat> so this is or, not. I'm sorry. It's released on Valentine's Day. I just read it's going uh, to be released. This is in a big red bottle, big red 750 milliliter. Okay, so it's malted with Great Western Two Row C120 Chocolate and Rogue Farms Dare and Risk malts, hot with the Rogue Farms Rebel hop. It also includes rolled oats, roasted barley, more honey <laughs> and chocolate, uh, Rogue's Pac-Man yeast, and free-range coastal water. 23 degrees Play-Doh, 50 IBUs. 135 degrees lobby bond, and that's it. I don't have any alcohol by volume on this. They should sort. They should really tell me. 
Uh, I'm guessing probably around eight, but I don't know. So, beers, it's actually blacker than the hardy wood. There's not even on the edge of the glass where the beer is thin. Can I see any light through this thing? So, it's, uh, has, of course, with, um, uh, dark tan head, almost the color of chocolate milk. It has a chocolate, almost like a Hershey syrup kind of chocolate smell that's according to Fred from uh, from Japan that's what they use okay. Hershey's syrup they okay. found that works the best that was 2003 when okay. I heard that right. so recipe may have changed okay and also smelling this it's pulling me back to that voodoo donut beer right you know it just it or something similar there. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what yet because, well, that was a that was a what chocolate banana, peanut butter, right? Yes. Yeah. So they probably use the maple same maple too. So Wasn't there maple in there? No, I think it was maple bacon. Was maple the bacon. first one, okay. right? But this okay. was the chocolate peanut butter banana, and um, you know, so they probably use the same chocolating method. Uh, Red beer says it's eight point seven percent alcohol. Anyway. Advocate is not loading. Hmm. Hey, Todd, get on that. 54.8 is my sample here. A little bit of charcoal on the nose. Flavor. First sip, you get a fair amount of chocolate. Second sip, which I followed up on pretty quickly because I wasn't sure how to describe things. The chocolate is starting to climatize to your palate and you taste a lot more of the malts in the second sip, even with a quick follow-up. And it's... Uh... Mm. Mm. Get some roast. I'm getting a fair amount of... Um, it's almost like a birchy type flavor. Yes. Yeah. It's... Um... It is kind of there's a little bit of woodiness to it. Mm-hmm. The the chocolate tastes like a syrup infused with some extra sort of like Dutch cocoa, some dark mm-hmm. Dutch cocoa. I just did a Google search to see if free range coastal water actually meant something in Oregon, but Google doesn't know if it does. Uh, you know, we always you always make sure you read free range coastal water, right? Um, so I'm like, See, this coastal water had a chance to spread out and well, you know get out of its cage. It sounds goofy, <laughs> so I just want to do a sanity check. Like maybe in Portland that means something. Maybe there, maybe a watershed is called the free range watershed or something like that, right? But it didn't come up with anything, so. Hmm. Pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. I think it has a little bit more body than their regular mm-hmm. chocolate stout, mm-hmm. which helps. It's higher in alcohol, so that would give it tend to give it more body because right. there's about more sugars in there. It's, it has a really full body. It almost you didn't say. I mean, it has oats in there. Oh, it has oats. Okay, mm-hmm. 
See, I was going to say, I would, I would think that there was a, you know, milk lactose in there or something like the milk cell, like we just had, if I was doing this one blind. But, you know, oats make sense also. It doesn't, it gives a body, it doesn't quite have that slick or slimy type mouthfeel, but it has a fuller body than just a barley beer. I don't notice the honey as much as I did in the last beer. Mm-hmm. It's probably just adding a slight little sweetness and maybe maybe giving uh, the alcohol just a hint of meatiness, which I think works. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the bitterness is, is pretty well balanced, although it is contributing to that sort of birchy flavor. So you're not going to get just straight up chocolate. It's not like, uh, say, chocolate indulgence or um, Southern... Uh, Southern Tears Chocolat where it's, it's even more really just kind of chocolate this this has a good amount of bitterness to to keep it from becoming just uh, lathering chocolate on your tongue in alcoholic form I think it would go well with pie I'm not sure what kind of pie. Maybe an apple pie. Probably not a blueberry pie. <laughs> I was trying to look up uh, Frambois or Frambois pronunciation real mm-hmm. quick, but uh, Merriam-Webster's dictionary only talks about it in the term of uh, French, literally raspberry from Old French of Germanic. Uh, what did they get into? It's a uh, a brandy or liqueur, right? So it doesn't really talk about um, the beer so much. I did find on Wikipedia that in Dutch it's called frambozen beer. But uh, I'm not sure. I don't have anything mm-hmm. definitive other than my old, possibly faulty recollections on what it is pronounced in Flemish. Actually, that's where we got it. Remember that old site where the guy was pronouncing all the beer names? No. Okay, there was a site we used. This was back at the townhouse. And we used it as a reference. We played some things on the air. And I remember very clearly now how he pronounced Frambois and not Frambois. But Actually, the, that's where we got um, Hoogarden, right? Because it's not, it's not Hogarden. I know that, right. I know that for a fact. It's not Hogarden. It's Hoogarden. Right. It was probably after we... Uh, Remember what we were calling it? Vitbeer. 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 Although, again, that's technically not incorrect. But it's just not... <laughs> not if you're trying to pronounce yeah. the the language of which it was... Of the origin. <laughs> let me... Let me uh, do some... Get some more water oh, here. Right. Actually, you know what we should do? Now is the right time. I think we should talk about it. So we have a lot of big bottles here, Greg. How do you think we should save this beer... For another drinking session. Well, if I had my choice, and I do, I would choose something called the Xylus. And I don't know why the sound's not coming on. I have it cute turned up. The music is not working. Um, <laughs> we use Xylus makes lots of things. They make knives and scrapers and stuff like that. But they also make these little wine bottle stoppers. You uh, flip the little top, and it goes click, and it uh, seals the bottle, neck of the bottle. And that allows you to take these large bottles of beer, 
and save them for another day. And where do you get them, you might ask? Well, we have the website for you, and that's craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. That'll forward you through to Amazon, the giant internet behemoth shopping thing. But when you make your purchase, you'll give us a cut of the money that you spend as opposed to Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. And um, He's spending his money on drones, so don't worry about him. Yeah, yeah, so... You will delay the onset of the robots taking over the world by using that link as opposed to shopping Amazon directly because you'll have less money to spend on drones. I mean, maybe you want the robots to take over the world, but even if you do, just think about how much better it will be if you have great beer that we've reviewed to the, drink while the robots are taking over the world. So, well, if the robots are taking over the world, you'll probably drink the bottle all at once. You're not going to be saving it for another day. In that case, you should use the Speaklow glasses. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon is the best way for you guys to support us guys. And it's it's easy. You just go there when you start shopping. You check out. It costs you nothing more. And we'll get like 6%, 6.5%, maybe 7% on a good month of what you spent. That's it. And that's all there is to it. That's it. Good. Thanks. All right, so our next beer is from Weyerbacher. This is... A special release for Breast Cancer Awareness Month in October. It's Althea, which is a double ale brewed with plums. That's a pink yep. thing. Althea is an ancient Greek name meaning healing. 7.7% alcohol by volume. Weyerbacher does a couple of these... Uh, you know, proceeds go to benefit. You know, mm-hmm. they did the we. I think we done the show the an IPA. What do they call it? It's it's for um, animal friends or or some other animal adoption thing. Um, last chance, yeah, last chance IPA or something like that. And then this Althea is a breast cancer one. Let me see. If there's any information here? They have a story on their blog about it. See if I can mine that for info. It's based on the recipe for. Uh, it developed by a sales representative. It's doesn't say who. It does say who. Does it, uh, is Natalie? Natalie, yes. Okay. We we I met her at the uh, NHC last year. Wirebacher Nat on Twitter, and uh, she's a homebrew. Um, she had some beer she was pouring at the home at her homebrew club at the club night. Oh, so maybe you could ask her for information on this beer. It's Italian plums added. All right. So the color is a um, dark, or yeah, the uh, sort of dark maple brown. Yeah, it looks like your typical Belgian double. Very clear. Again, not much floaties or cloudiness to it, but it's kind of dark, so you really can't see that unless you hold it up to the light. Definitely smell something fruity on the aroma. You know, I would I call it plums had I known? I don't know, but I can pick out plums. Mm-hmm. There's maybe yeah. pears. Yeah, I mean, there's probably so much suggestion in plums, right? Because what I think I smell is like plum skins, mm-hmm. prunes. Um, but I mean, like pear and apple yeah. also come close in terms of flavor profile. Yeah, there's something that's. Um, Floral, fruity, just in the nose, and just like really like it, it just smells so good. It's that was the first time I actually smelled plum like. skin. 
I took okay. a nice big whiff and I did get some of that plum skin. So it's also it's sweet and a little bit candy like, perfumey. Now, I may be slightly uh, atypical because I'm a guy who likes sour fruits. So I like sour plums more than I like the regular sweet plums. I mean, mm-hmm. they're both good. But if I had my pick of the litter, I like the the ones that have a little bit more sour to them. The um, there's a little bit towards the back of the aroma. If you really stick your nose in there and dig, you just get a little bit right on the edge of the room, right where it is. You can smell the the sweetness of like a dark Belgian candy sugar, uh, maybe a little bit of booziness, you know. So the Belgians in there as well. It's just not this this perfumey fruit. See smell. that to me is coming through more as like apple. Okay. But I think it's the same mm-hmm. sort of smell. Mm-hmm. Laser. Laser. Lasers. It feels a little cold to me. Just want to make sure. No, it's 58. All right. So f- the flavor on this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it tastes like a fruity double. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Belgian double. I mean, we've had such full mouthful beers up till now. Mm-hmm. And this one feels really thin, right? But I think yeah. it's just a climatization thing, right? Yeah. We're acclimated to um, this beer. So it, it tastes kind of thin. Not not super thin. I mean... In per- comparison. Right, right. I mean, we're stepping down off the cliff. Yeah. And it, it does. So hopefully, before we finish our samples, we get acclimated to to the mouthfeel. It's got a heavier carbonation than the other two, for sure. It's It's got... The freeness is there. Mm-hmm. So far, it hasn't really... It's not cloying or anything like that. It, mm-hmm. It's it, But it's definitely there. It's noticeable. Yeah, it's... Um, I'm trying to think. You know, it's definitely... Well, I think because, you know, my whole mouthfeel thing could be out of whack, but, you know, it's definitely one of the um, more uh, carbonated and it's not a big chewy Belgian double, right? It's yes. It reminds me more of a Chimay. Sure, yeah. Something okay. like a Chimay Red or something like that. You know, it's 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 like that as opposed to uh, Oh My Gang or something like that. Or a right? Borden, is it? Boredom double, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was one of my first. I think I mentioned this before. My, my one of my first real great beer and food experiences with the Sharp Edge, mm-hmm. Boredom Double with I think their Lamb Burger. Okay. Oh, that is such a good combination. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Which we had more to say. I mean, there's yeah. slight tangy note. There's, um, you know, definitely a lot of sweetness coming from the double. It's it actually is well, re- reasonably well balanced. With I think the tang helps it a little bit to, mm-hmm. to balance out some of the overt sweetness. The the big fruity floral aroma is not. I mean, there's it's there's, not, yeah, there's some not, fruity yeah. flavors in the flavor, but it's not to the same, nearly to the same scale. Yeah. The the beer is so aromatic. You think you're going to get something that it almost tastes like it has. Uh, this one smells like wildflower honey, right? Something like that. It smells yeah. like it smells like some of that, but you know it, the flavor has has some of the 
the plum um, type character, but really, it's it's. I would say the fruit is helping it end a little bit dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it and that is is probably good for like another, another thing. It's good for food. Uh, you know, I bet this would go well with Chinese food. I'm thinking, you know, obviously the first thing that comes to mind is mushu pork with plum sauce, right? <laughs> but um, you know, anything nice and greasy, this would probably go well with. You kind of meat, uh, a nice, uh, a nice slab of roast beef or something. As we're getting through the sample, I'm, I'm getting used to the mouthfeel. So you know, just wanted to make that clear that it doesn't taste thin and and bubbly anymore. It tastes it tastes a lot more in line with the style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I feel like I'm not having a ton to say, but it, it's enjoyable. There's a, it's a good double. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a good double. I, I, the reason I brought up the the, the flavor thing is because I think that it, mm-hmm. I haven't found a double that doesn't go better with food than just alone. <laughs> so that's probably a good point. I, I think the doubles are really. The, the quintessential pair with food beer mm-hmm. and so get yourself something with a lot of umami mm-hmm. that would go really well with a double so something that has a lot of that sort of meat flavor you know a lot of you know, caramelization notes or something just a lot of unctuousness that'll go well yeah I think umami is important you know like you know, first, you know, you mentioned the burger thing, but yeah, like you're just thinking like ground meat with all that juice and grease mm-hmm. and all that you know goodness in there I had a, went to Double Wide this week and had, you know, their stuffed portobello, portobello cap, right? So portobello mushroom with brie and garlic sauce and stuff like that. And, you know, that would also be pretty good, sure. good with this. Okie dokie. So now we go on to the beer that's in the can. And it's wearing our can sealer because I just wanted to try putting on a can that's closed because... They have a lot more rigidity when they're before they're opened, mm-hmm. and the can sealer is not the easiest thing to get on. It's also kind of ruins the whole point of a can sealer if you seal the can while it's closed. Well, I mean, you can do it, but I've I've also like kind of dented cans, like so. I did it just for practice, not for functionality, but for practice. Okay, so this is the on the wings of Armageddon from DC Brown. This is a Imperial IPA. It's a single hop blend u- utilizing Falconer's Flight. <clears throat> I proved it just enough pale malt, carrot 60, and carrot pills, and malted wheat. 9.2% alcohol by volume. Nice. Um, DC Brown was just on NPR. They are selling a beer uh, with uh, it's the refermented with grape. Uh, the, the grape are wine leaves, so it's not just yeast, but it's all the skins and stuff that settled down into the fermenter at the wine at the winery. It's this thick, sludgy stuff. They'll put it into barrels, and then they'll put the beer in the barrel where you ferment, right? And it's uh, so it's kind of this wine beer hybrid thing. And uh, yeah, they got some some neat press on NPR. If you can go out, all things considered, and search for DC Brown, I'm sure you'll find it. That's still Cerevisia, right? The stuff that's on the um, the grapes. Well, it's called Lees. You know how, like, Unibrews, yeah. like, beer on Lees? Yeah. They're just talking about, you know, yeast 
but but the same but it's the same yeast it's Saccharomyces cerevisiae yeah. the, the, the same but they're getting you know same species they're getting it's the wine it's that wine musk that or is it the musk no it's the so like dogfish uses musk right which is I think just juice right maybe juice e- or is that I don't know skins and pits also they made this sound like this is the stuff that, you know, is a byproduct after fermentation. So, like, they take the wine out of the fermenter. Uh-huh. There's a bunch of solid material, right? That solid material, he's collecting from the winery, putting it in barrels, and then putting beer on top of that and letting it re-ferment. I mean, that's not, that doesn't sound too unusual because that's the way wine used to be made, right? Before they knew about yeast, mm-hmm. they'd put a little bit of the old stuff in there and, mm-hmm. and the yeast would carry through. They didn't know why, but they did. The same thing, the way they used to make bread, they had a mother, and they would keep mm-hmm. the mother in there, so it's the same sort of thing. It it, it it sounds unusual in today's world because now we do everything microbially, and and we're right. This beer has been around for a bit. Um, JD sent us this beer a while ago. We were saving it, but we never got around to doing what we wanted to do with it. Um, but man, it doesn't seem like the hops have faded too much. Take a sniff of that; it still has a pungent hop aroma. It still tastes pretty fresh. I'm not sure exactly when JD sent us this, but um, it's probably been at least six months. I think what you have there is an advantage of canning. I don't know if fresh if fresh hops last longer in cans than they do in bottles. Well, you're certainly going to get less oxygen penetration. Right. But, I mean, hops just hops fade, right? I mean, Heady Topper comes in again, and they tell you to drink that thing super fat, fresh. Right? Have we tried saving Heady Topper? No, but they, why would you want to? But I, what I'm saying is that I would not be surprised if cans preserve hops better than bottles. I don't have any empirical evidence. It's just an I mean, intuition if, if, type if, thing. If, but, if oxidation is part of the thing that kills the hop, then sure, I, w- I would say you have something there. I just thought time was the main factor in hop yumminess breaking down and falling out of the beer. Well, you need to have some some form of energy doing it. It could be a, a non-stable thing that could be breaks apart. There could be enough catalyst in the beer what breaks apart the, could be the humulins and the isohumulins and stuff and and we know that that stuff actually settles to the bottom right it settles to the bottom of the glass or whatnot i don't know if oxygen plays a role in that or not well back to the beer the beer is uh, very particulate in its nature there's lots of little stuff yeah, in there lots of little floaters it's a uh it's a nice orange color Really, kind of a nice uh, deep orange. The aroma—it's hoppy, but what kind of hoppy? It's—it's it's a mix of. Well, it's Falconer's Flight, of course. <laughs> okay, it does. Uh, it, it's grapefruity with a bit of. Um... <laughs> it's, it's a lot of grapefruit. A lot of different. I'm thinking like maybe a white grapefruit versus a red grapefruit, but it, okay. it, it, you know, there's something. It's not quite sulfur. It's not sewer drain. There's something just starting to get a little bit edgy in there, right? That's. I'm not sure how I want to define edgy though. I'm having a hard time with it. Maybe just flat out, you know, 
rip your face off hop. <laughs> I think it's just a strong hop. I just got a, a sniff. I like it. how they call it a single hop blend. <laughs> <laughs> I just got a sniff of like something like a really sweet clementine, like a really orangey, like almost candy-like aroma. I got a touch of that. In the taste, I tasted that little thing you were commenting on. The very first thing I tasted was that. The little... Mm, is that something that's oh. biological okay. in, in in its thing? But but it gives way to a, a, a pithy orange. Mm-hmm. It has a kind of a light Italian bread malting. Maybe a little English muffin in there. This is the On the Wings of Armageddon Imperial IPA from DC Brow. Imagine if this thing did drop off, you know, from when it was fresh. What would it taste like? It still tastes fresh and delicious, so I don't know. But we did have this thing in the fridge for way too long. Yeah. It's a big, big hot, big... Um... <coughs> Excuse me. Big of those tangerine grapefruit notes. Less pith this time. But there's still something a little... Mm, what is that? A little peach? Like like overripe, pe- okay. like overripe mm-hmm. peach. Uh, there's a there's a acidic tang, you know, from the hops, right? There's um Lemon doesn't cut it. Lime doesn't cut mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, it's... Uh, mm-hmm. It's just that maybe you know, maybe pomegranate. Yeah, there's a good malt backbone to back this thing up. It's not just hops and water. Uh, makes the beer very drinkable, mm-hmm. even at the high alcohol that it is. Uh, starting to actually feel that, you know, towards the end of the show here, you know, it's like I was feeling stone cold sober until just now, and now I'm starting to get a little bit of cobwebs up there. Well, you did have. Two full glasses of that bush at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, that must have been it. <laughs> I only had one glass. He had the rest of it. It was tasting good tonight. Bush beer. <laughs> Talk about the pre-show. We had, for New Year's, we bought all these goofy big beers. A show that we never posted because um put in the we, extras. We posted it briefly, but... Yeah, it's rare now. Yeah. So we took it back down because... Uh, the people that we had on the line through Google Hangouts didn't make it to the recording. Uh, we even changed how we recorded because we thought it would work, and it didn't. So, as annoying as that is, but I bought a bunch of giant cans to be goofy, and we had this can of Bush beer <laughs> left over, twenty-five ounce can of beer. Perfectly non-offensive, I think, is what Greg put it. Yeah, yeah that that was the push was I think the uh, the the best of all of them, ironically enough, because it was it was completely non-offensive. It was not particularly tasty beer. It was not something that we really would definitely go into and have all these comments on, but it was not offensive. Mm-hmm. I couldn't say that for some of the other, like the Corona, <laughs> the familiar. 
back to the DC Brown. Mm-hmm. It's um, I like that. Yeah, I, I the more I taste it, the more English muffin keeps mm. coming through to me. English muffin's a good call, yeah. With with like a a really pithy orange marmalade. <laughs> yeah, or well, grapefruit marmalade. Well, yeah. Taste some orange marmalade with some um, lemon zest. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good beer. It's a good beer, even with all the age on it, which is all our fault. Thank you, JD, for the beers this evening. And, uh, thanks, uh, Wirebacher Nat, at Wirebacher Nat, for uh, formulating this uh, this Wirebacher beer. Shall I go? You shall. All right. So my number four beer of the night is going to be the Gingerbread Stout. I I really didn't like it that much. I mean, it, it it that had that weird kind of plasticky thing to it. The the spices were kind of one note. They didn't go anywhere. Uh, I just was not was not that much of a fan of the beer. I uh, I think I've had better gingerbread stouts before, and I just didn't like it that much. Mm-hmm. That, that plasticky thing really turned me off. My number three, uh, I'm going to go with the Double Chocolate, the Rogue. I, I thought it was okay. Um, it just, it, the more I tasted it, the, the less I liked it. And I, I don't really have much else to say about it, but I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't that big a fan. I'm going to go with the, uh, the Althea next. That was pretty good double. I think it needed food to really be great. Mm-hmm. I I like doubles. I like what they do. It definitely wasn't any. Definitely was better than DC Brown, which was great. DC Brown was really mm-hmm. good double IPA, really drinkable. Lots of uh, still after six months, still a lot of hot presence. So. Uh, I think it was good to end on it too because mm-hmm. it would have probably reflected yeah. poorly on the rest of the beers. Yeah, I agree with you on on having this one last. It's delicious. Uh, you know, it's I'm surprised how drinkable it is for, you know, how boozy it is and how yeah. hoppy it is. It it's it's just this side of rip your face off hoppy. It is good but and drinkable but not too challenging that you're like, "Oh, I just tasted something amazingly hoppy, but yeah. really it wasn't that amazing. Now, this is this is on the good side of that line. This one is, you know, it's significantly hoppy, and the malt backbone just carries through. English muffin, like Greg said, uh, is, is a pretty good call on that one. Um, number two, I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mimic you here too. I'm gonna say the Althea. Um, I had a hard time, you know, we had a hard time acclimating it. We had two stouts with milk and oats. Mm-hmm. So we were used to these chewy, chewy, chewy mouthfeel beers. And it took me a while to get used to this double, which, you know, starting at Chimay Red, I think is a good benchmark for a lot of people. I like using those benchmarks. People know where I'm starting with a common beer, and then we kind of drive in from there. And and I think that's a good one, you know, pretty high carbonated, like a, like a Chimay and uh, the aroma was wonderful on that thing, right? It had all that um, fruit and floral aroma. I would have liked to see that carry through a little bit more in the flavor. Sure. But, you know, 
I might be asking for trouble, right? Because mm. we don't want too much sweet floral yes. in the flavor. Because then it's like, oh, it's all coin. We don't like this at all. So, you know. Winning checks the beer can't cash. <laughs> exactly. So I might be asking for something that would set it up for failure. Uh, but I enjoyed it. and But I do think I have to agree with Greg. Um, I never really thought of it this way. But yeah, doubles are always better with food. <laughs> Almost always better with food. Not even almost. I, I think we can say always better with food. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put the Hardywood in third place instead of fourth. Uh, so we're going to mix up Greg's here a little bit. The first couple sips where the lactose was standing out were delicious. I really liked it. And then I started tasting more of the ginger spices and the nutmeg, cinnamon, stuff like that. And I didn't like it quite as much, but I still thought it was pretty good. And then... You know, almost in line with it, I'm going to put the the rogue. Uh, I just the reason the Hardywood wins out is because of those first couple sips where that that delicious chocolatey milk stout flavor was was killer. It was one of the um, I wish it had staying power because I mean I wish all milk stouts had that kind of mouthfeel and sweetness and flavor. Was, I just really like those first couple sips. So all right, well. That's uh that is the end of our show. And uh But it's not the series finale, so don't No. Worry. No, we have plenty more this season and more seasons to come. We've been renewed. So uh this is this is Craft Beer Radio. You can check us out at craftbeerradio.com. Send us email, beer at craftbeerradio.com. I'm Greg at craftbeerradio.com. Jeff at craftbeerradio.com. Although the best way to contact us is probably Twitter, at CBRGreg. At Jeff Bear. And we had a, a few, we had a listener actually calling a code word from a previous post show. We had a couple of those. Yeah, but uh, just the one from this last one, though. So let's give a... Uh, Justin Langford props for uh, listening through our post-show nonsense and calling him with the code word. All right. And remember, there may be a code word for you in the next post-show. It depends how long ago. It all depends how nonsensical yeah. the uh, post-show is. And uh, listen for Amazon Anonymous in the post-show. And you will not find us on MTV. Thank God. Maybe on your microwave or your refrigerator. <laughs>